and welcome to another episode of RTF Podcast. Thanks for being here. Shouts to Justin Valentine for becoming the newest Patreon subscriber this week at a $16 tier. Thank you so much, brother. Be sure, be sure to at least check out the Patreon that I've set up. Uh, We have been dubbed the artsiest podcast in the metaverse by the Council of of the Metaverse. Yeah, I'm reading this off an email right now. Uh, I, I mean, that's a great honor. That is a... I am stoked to have that one uh, on our belt. We, uh, you know, other awards that uh, that we, the royal we, meaning me, meaning I have gotten, have received. Uh, other awards include the Draven's Hoopla Award for Safest Haven of Unadjusted Creatives, the Benny Dingus Award for Longest Editing Session of a Non-Local Conversation, and then, of course, there's the Agnes Chiller Trophy, uh, which is awarded to the podcast with the most amount of potential sponsors. Uh, potential was uh, italicized in this email. And uh, they're saying here that, yes, I should have emphasized potential sponsors there. Uh, so, I mean, if you needed any more justification for joining the Patreon pod squad. There it is. So head on over to patreon.com slash RTAF podcast link in the description. And this week's guest is the super talented oil painter, Olivia Jane. Olivia tells us about going from being a sales rep in the cannabis industry where she was working like 80 hours a week And then she got fired because she started taking time off. It's, you know, it's typical, like, burnout job kind of story. What's not typical about it is that right after that, she traveled the world solo for two and a half years. And we get into details of how traveling changes a person for the better. The ability to say no Uh, comparison on social media and dealing with that old inner critic um, all creatives all artists have so once again just want to shout out the patreon one more again one more time patreon.com slash rtaf podcast link is in the description and let's jump right into this interview thank you olivia for coming on and thanks to my 12 current sponsors. You guys are the shit. Couldn't do it without you. Wouldn't do it without you. Let's jump into this episode. Let's jump into this episode. Jane. Jump with Olivia. Jane. Jane. Welcome to RTAF. Thanks for being Thanks. being a guest, uh, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, I'd kinda, I kind of want to get uh, get you to introduce yourself and maybe just give us a little backstory on on how you came to uh, be creating art and making paintings and um, just maybe give us a little rundown of like what your childhood was like and then up to uh, up to where you are now. 
Um, well, I'm Olivia Jane. My uh, backstory is pretty long and wild, but I can uh, summarize. Um, I grew up in France. I was born in Indiana. So when people ask me where I'm from, I'm just kind of like list the last place I lived. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, but when I was like 12, I ended up moving to Colorado and um, got into art when I was 16. I was always into art. I like mm -hmm. spent a lot of time alone when I was a kid. So I would sew a lot. I sewed outfits for my dolls and stuff. Oh, sweet. And, um, nice. <laughs> and um, I was always creatively inclined, I would say. And my brother as well. Both of us, he's more musically inclined. Um, but we're both very creative people. And um, so, but I didn't really learn how to paint until I was 16. I, um, I went to three different high schools. I was kind of a troubled kid and uh failed Same. or no i yeah i was asked to leave the first high school <laughs> failed the second high school oh. and then was really fortunate to end up at a uh, at an outdoor education school oh hell yeah in arbendale colorado i've never really heard of one of those outdoor education yeah is it like for it's, like wilderness stuff or it is it, it's really interesting because it kind of drew together two polar opposite kinds of kids mm -hmm. kids who were in trouble all the time and needed nature therapy and kids who were like born and raised by like mountain climbers and right. hardcore athletes so it was a really interesting mix and change of scenery for me as a city kid i always grew up in really big cities um my first time living in the mountains and being absolutely humbled by nature and um, just the potential dangers, like getting lost, getting stuck in a blizzard, yeah. um, having to wear the little beacons in case we got in an avalanche. Um, it was really hardcore, but I learned a lot and there was an art program there and I didn't get into the glass blowing class. So mm. I was, I thought, well, drawing and painting sounds good too, but they didn't teach acrylic painting. They taught oil painting and they, you just nice. dive right in. And, uh, so for me, it, it was just life changing. I thought it was so cool and, um, I loved it. So how old were you then? Like and 16 or something? 17? I was 16. Yeah. yeah. I transferred midway through junior year. So I spent I got to spend a year and a half at this other school and kind of get okay. my life together a bit. Nice. Nice. I feel like so many of us were bad kids. I don't want to say bad. I just want to say um, <laughs> experimental and pushing the boundaries. And yeah, maybe our, maybe there's problems with our system more than us, you know, but yeah. I was not wanting to play the game. Yeah. Same. Uh, I, I wasn't well adjusted, I think, is is the term I've I've been trying to use lately. Um yeah. but, but I think there's there's something like a, a rebellious spirit that correlates to being a creative person. You know, because mm -hmm. you're you're always thinking of crazy ideas and maybe like three out of ten are like worth it and the other other ones are just like things that just pop in your head. And when those don't align with like you know, like you said, the 
the system we're brought up in, uh, you, you get a lot of friction between like parents and teachers and things like that. Yeah, I just really, I spent so much time not understanding the, the point of it and really mm-hmm. felt like I was wasting time. So I feel like I've spent all my 20s so far just trying to make up for what I felt was lost time uh, yeah. at school. Nice. I th- it seems like you're doing a great job of it. Um, Thanks. Yeah. So did you get, did you end up going to college or anything like that or? I did. So yeah, yeah, luckily um, I had the opportunity to go to that school. I got things in order. I was able to go to a really good college. I started at uh, Lewis and Clark in Portland, Oregon. And um, right before I left for school, my parents had a little party for me and had all their friends over. And I had all these, you know, 50 some year olds telling me like, you should study what you like because whatever you study, you're going to have to, you know, study it thoroughly. And then you're going to have to do a thesis. So, you know, you might as well study what you like. And at that time I was 18. I couldn't think of anything I liked more than <laughs> art and psychology. So oh, nice. I focused on that. I definitely thought I was going to be an art therapist for a long time. That's super cool. Um, I studied, but, I like, studied psych too in, in college. Nice. I didn't know it's that awesome. I was an artist yet, but I was fun. I was thinking a lot, so I figured uh, maybe I'll study my own brain. (laughs) Totally. It's fascinating. Yeah, for sure. And I think art does play a huge role in there's like so much crossover and so many metaphors and painting that are metaphors for for life in general. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, like so many other kids who did study art in school, I went to liberal arts colleges, so they kind of spread you thin with all other kinds of classes. Mm. And I ended up only taking two painting classes. The first teacher I had told me not to be an artist. He said, just don't even try. And I will not be your advisor and you shouldn't study art. (laughs) And just super discouraging. Wow. I luckily I'm the kind of person who doesn't do what I'm told. And I was just like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. And, um, so I left college feeling like entirely unprepared and uninspired to be an artist. I just didn't really think it was possible. Mm -hmm. And, and so after that, um, after college, what did you do? Did you get a job? I was, I was so determined to travel. I, that's all I wanted to do. And I just felt like whatever else was going to come my way in life, I would figure it out after traveling. So I had a very like narrow mind about that. And, um, but no opportunities, like no one's waiting for you after school to hand you uh, a list of potential jobs. Right. I think I had a thousand dollars to my name from selling some paintings, Mm -hmm. uh, but they were like still lives and stuff that I would sell to my family. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had a thousand bucks. I had a car that I was borrowing. I like moved into that car and drove across the country. I was in North Carolina at that time, just outside of Asheville. And um, nice. I dro- drove across the country. I like went to some festivals, made it to Oregon, and met some people there who literally wrote an address in Sharpie on my hand and said, "Go to this place, and you'll get work." 
and it was trim work of, of course. course yeah <laughs> oh so i after college i lived out of a honda civic for like nine months i trimmed weed until i had more money than i knew what to do with yeah and somehow survived the many dangerous scenarios that that came about and i bought a one-way ticket to new zealand and traveled for a year epic yeah <laughs> that's so really life-changing nice nice that's that's crazy i just want to mention this this doesn't really further uh we'll get back to the story but like so i had a honda civic and i've trimmed a bunch of weed and i traveled right after uh right after college also i just went to like i did like 34 days in europe but uh it was still really fun so cool synchronicity yeah. there yes honda civic yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> The muffler blew out on that thing, and I was very irresponsible and left it in a uh, Natty Grocer's parking lot here in, or down in Denver, I guess. I should say now, because <laughs> I don't live there anymore. But nice. uh, great car, great car. Can't, can't shit <laughs> on the Honda the Civic. sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was a really good idea. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure for you, too, just getting to see it completely different cultures, all of the art. Yeah, I studied so much art history in school because when you are studying art, you practically become an art history major as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had the chance to take a Southeast Asian art history class. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, we just That's were looking up. at pictures from these temples and I just thought, I have to, I have to go there. Like I, it's not enough to just look at slides. I need to be there. Totally. So I ended up planning that first trip um, primarily around these like sites that are primarily Buddhist and Hindu sites that I really wanted to see. And um, yeah, I did like other trips around that, but that was really cool. When I came home, I was um, very broke and <laughs> had no idea what to do again. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up getting a sales career uh, in the cannabis industry and at 23, all of a sudden, I had like a big girl career. Yeah. Um, that yep. I did not expect. What were you doing? And, uh, well, I was a sales rep for, for the company, but at the time they were a startup. So there was only eight people working there. And we wanted our product to get all the way across Colorado. So I had to drive about 1,600 miles a week and make friends with every dispensary across the whole state and um and yeah pitch them on our products so it was a lot of driving yeah. it was a lot of talking i was always on call i was always juggling like several things at at the same time um i really got a a, a scope into what it's like to be just like hustling at that level it was at least 80 hours a week that I was working sometimes more. Um, it was, yeah, really, really intense. And I, I kind of out of nowhere too. So that pushed art again, even farther out of reach. I was still painting on the side, but, um, I just didn't have time to make it a, a priority at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, sorry, my dog was barking there. I had to reach down and Tell her to stop. Um, she wants attention. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, so, okay. So you're, you're doing the sales rep job and I'm sure at like 80 hours a week, you're starting to feel some burnout, right? Um, so much burnout and you're young too, but it's still like, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever worked 80 hours a week, even like on painting. The most I get is like somewhere around 60 and, uh, you know, that, and that's, that's a lot. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, a lot. lot. And, and I even get burned out on that, like, uh, as in doing something that I love, you know? Um, right. So what was the, I'll, I'll do a little spoiler here. What was the, the straw that broke the camel's back that kind of made you like, be like, I gotta quit this. Yeah. Well, you know, the reason kind of that I got in that situation in the first place was that I was, um, I was really young. I was in an abusive relationship and I realized I need to get away. I was like, I have to make my own money. I need to be financially independent Mm -hmm. and I need like a real deal job. And, um, and I'm really happy. Like, I'm so like no shame about any of that. I think that strong independent people end up in abusive relationships all the time. It's just some point you got to take your life back. And, um, so I felt like doing it, having financial security at that time would be the best way to start. And, um, but I was also really depressed and I, so that's why I kept working so hard because I was like, if I just keep working, I can avoid these issues, but you can't, they just keep following you. So there was a point where I was like, okay, I'm really struggling here and I need a way out. So I decided to, uh, do ayahuasca for the first time. And I was like 25 then. And I just felt like it was my last resort. I was like, I always thought it would be something I would want to do. And, uh, and the right people came into my life. It it felt really like the right time. Yeah. And it absolutely like changed my life. I know a lot of people say that, but it really was profound. I was so sick after the ceremonies for like a week, I couldn't go back to work and I had never taken a day off work ever. Wow. So finally I'm like so sick. I'm in bed and I can't get out. And I'm just thinking, what am I doing with my life? I hadn't paused, you know, in right, all this yeah. time, uh, long enough to really consider what I was doing with my life. Mm-hmm. And it was finally the pause I needed to be like, this job is sucking my soul. <laughs> yeah. It's straight up sucking my soul and I need to do something more worthwhile because I'd been in a bad car accident and I was like, you know what, if I just die in a car accident on the highway tomorrow, I will not feel good about the last few years of my life. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, I started living, I started living it up. I would say I I was like, you know what, I'm a saleswoman. I've got money saved. I'm going to spoil all my clients and I'm going to go to the gym a bunch and I'm going to have work-life balance. I'm going to try that. Yeah. And that, that was a great plan. Lasted about three months. The company noticed and fired me. Oh, damn. Yep. They were like, oh, you're not working 80 hours a week and breaking yourself to do so. Yeah. We'll find someone else who will. And like I'd been there since we only had eight employees and now they're one of the biggest cannabis companies. Well, they will be one of the biggest cannabis companies in the world. Um, We had to sell like a quarter million dollars of hash a month and they took away our commission. They took away my commission because 
they didn't think a woman my age should make money like that. What? Who are they? Oh, yeah. Call them out. Oh, yeah. Call them out. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I would, I do want to call them out, but the truth Did you is, sign this something? is everywhere. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't sign anything, okay. but it's just, this is like a, this is an issue everywhere. And, and kind of coming to that realization and be like, wait, coworkers, like, how much are you getting paid? How much are you getting paid? Realizing I was the best salesperson and I was getting paid the least because I was a young woman. And that totally lit a fire under my ass. Like I've, I've, I've been on the feminist path ever since. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. No looking back. I'm just like, no, this is real. And this happens all the time in every industry. That's horseshit. Yeah. It's total <laughs> horseshit. Yeah. So, but it, it, it was, it felt like the whole world's pressure had been taken off my shoulders. All of a sudden I didn't right. have to be tied to my phone I didn't have to talk to my 300 clients all the time. I could just live my life. I I, I had money saved. Like the, it was a really good feeling of yeah, just yeah. scared too. Like something big is going to happen in my life, but I don't know what and I don't know when. And I I just need to get all my stuff in a storage unit because I know I need to travel light. And yeah. um, so then that began big was the beginning of a whole nother adventure where I left the country for two and a half years. And so are you, are you painting throughout this time as well? Are you making art? Fortunately? Yes. Um, nice. because I didn't paint on that first trip. I didn't even call myself an artist at that point. Really? Not until I got fired from my sales career. Then I was like, well, now I'm not a salesperson anymore. Yeah. I suppose that I'm an artist and just that, just calling myself an artist actually yeah, yeah. made all the difference because then when I was out in the world, I didn't know what, how else to represent myself. So I said, I'm an artist. Yeah. And just by saying that, it opened all these doors and I started painting murals, which I had never done before mm -hmm. and just immediately like got into murals. So that I, that's how I ended up painting the rest of the trip. That's super rad. I think... Um, so I think I remember when we met, but let me check with you. Like, um, it was at that, it was a desert hearts, like uh warehouse party in yeah. like 2016 or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I was like super shy and like painting in like a different corner. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. know anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw your work and I was like, holy shit, who is this? And, um, at the time I think you mentioned that you were work working for the cannabis company still is does that timeline yeah. line up yeah okay yeah because i was like oh man this might she might be like the best artist here or the best painter here and um yeah it's just funny like like you said just just lining things up even with like a simple word or, or like language how that like changes your whole brain and how you like frame the world by calling yourself an artist rather than being like, Oh, I work for this cannabis company as a salesperson. It's so different. And I was always really shy to like hang out with the other live painters because I, when I was doing my career, I just didn't, I could only do stuff like that every once in a while. Like right, yeah, I yeah. didn't really do it with any regularity. And I had been a festival goer for so long, but strictly with the name tag of, I'm a music freak. Like, yeah, yeah. I like to dance. I love live music. I live for live music and I'm here to support 
musicians and other artists. And I never thought about being someone who could be contributing to that experience differently um, yeah. as in making art there. Yeah. So that really didn't occur to me for many, many years, unfortunately, because I feel like it would have been really fun. Yeah. Uh, I, I but think it's still fun. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I think I went the opposite route and I was like, I'm an artist. And then I like sort of, you know, it's like when your mom gets you a shirt when you're a little kid and she's like, Oh, it doesn't fit. Well, you'll grow into it. You know, uh-huh. like, like one of those things. Um, Yes. But you know, yeah, it's just funny to like look back in hindsight and be like, oh, I was calling myself an artist then. Maybe that was a little too too early, but I think it it works out either way, right? Like you can It does, and it's better not to be so hard on yourself. Like for sure. I I've always been an artist, but I was always tiptoeing around that because societal pressure probably is the biggest factor. Yeah. Feeling like, well, that's not a good way to make money. And if you want to travel the world and if you want to do this, like your my conditioning was telling me that I couldn't do it as an artist. Yeah. But the reality is that I was able to do it as an artist, but I had to work really hard at that other job and save money. Yeah. But not everybody I meet traveling has a bunch of money saved up. There's right. a lot of people who are totally winging it and <laughs> somehow it works. Like, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about travel and, and what it means to you and kind of in the context of like, I know, I believe Terrence McKenna said something like there's like psychedelics, uh, sex and traveling are like the most, mind expansive things that you that a person can do right um do you draw any uh parallels between like having you know a trip and a trip you know what i mean like uh what's it like yeah it's (laughs) in some ways my journeys my three and a half years abroad i mean that was like the trip those were the trips of my lifetime right it's so exhausting and mind bending and you never come back the same person. Um, so in a way it's, it's like if you were going on a trip trip, but a lot longer and, and there's no fucking way you can come back the same person. And ideally with psychedelics, especially if used in a medicinal sense, uh, ideally that can happen too. Yeah. Um, ideally that is happening, but it's, it was very, I'm so glad I did the trips when I did them. Um, I was young. I had the time. It wasn't the right time for anyone else to do those trips with me. So I traveled a lot by myself. Um, and That's I'm glad cool. I didn't wait to do that. You know, when I'm older, yeah, yeah. cause I was sleeping on like hay bales and riding <laughs> trains in India. Like, I'm not going to want to do that kind of stuff when I'm retired age right maybe yeah. i will but yeah um that whole I'm idea so i did them that that whole idea um sorry to interject but that you work all your life to save up money so that you can haul your like old ass around and try and enjoy places is like seriously it's pretty fucked and up I've, it's pretty backwards i think it is backwards and I've experienced a lot of bitterness because I don't often meet Americans out uh, traveling, but when I do, they tend to be retired folks and they hold a lot of bitterness. They're just like, how are you out here? And like, 
why are you out here? Well, I had to get married and I had to get a job. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't put that on me. Like (laughs) I, I, I chose my path and you chose yours. And sometimes you're more or less affected by societal pressure. You know, there was an aspect of me that's always been like, no, this is what I want. This is, this is the life I want to design for myself. And I'm going to go for it no matter what anyone thinks. And, I had people telling me not to go, not to go to any of the countries I wanted to go to because I wasn't safe. You're really? a woman. You can't do this. You can't do that. It just fueled me more. I was I was very determined to to go anyway. And once you get out there, you realize there's so many other people traveling. Some yeah. of them may come off a lot more naive than you. And so it gives you confidence. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're out here. I'm out this here. This guy's doing it. <laughs> this guy's doing it somehow. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. It's that's such been a great trait cool. to have too, to, to just not listen to, to all these <laughs> external voices that are telling you no. Like I had a real, real tough time with that until, I mean, you know, in, in terms of like career and like the way you're kind of supposed to live life sort of picked and choose, like, you know, like, Oh, I don't want to get married. Okay. That's one that's like pretty easy. But then like the whole, you can't be an artist or you can't survive off making art is like, I've had to work really hard to decondition myself from that. And it seems like that might be a personality trait that that you have like to be able to just say no and like be stubborn and know that everything's going to work out i'm very like externally motivated and i think that that's maybe why i was like i'm an artist and so now everyone hears me say that i'm an artist so i have to keep doing the thing you know i don't know yeah I, there's an element of me that's like that too, especially with my trips. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I talk a big game, like, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But then I try to really do those things. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I change my mind or the course redirects, but I tend to talk myself into it yeah, yeah, so yeah. that then I know I'm going to be held accountable. Like mm-hmm. this is something that is now expected. of me. Yeah. 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 So when you're on, okay. So, you're on this three and a half year journey. And so where are you going? Like Southeast Asia, you mentioned India. Um, mm-hmm. and, and how yeah, the f- uh, I can't just, sorry. Um, just one more thing. Uh, how, were you, did you have a plan or did you kind of just flow with everything? Um, I usually started with a plan that right. would get me through the first three months of the trip very loose plan just like i'm going to this country then that country type of a plan mm-hmm. and i would get the tickets far in advance and then i would not plan anything because the truth is when you're on a trip for that long and you also in the countries i, I tend to go to there's very um, poor service wi-fi connection sure and just trying to load WhatsApp and try to tell the people closest to me that I made it somewhere and that I'm okay and trying to find the next hostel. That's about like the, as much as I can handle trying struggling with slow internet after that, you're just like, what? Fuck it. I'll talk to some people. I'll figure out where's the next cool place and I'll get a train ticket and then totally wing it. And traveling in India 
is one of my favorite places to go because people there are so um, so curious about you. So you end up meeting tons of people who are from India. A huge uh, chunk of my fan base is in India because they nice. love finding the murals that I've done. They take pictures, they share them, and then maybe their cousin or their friend has a restaurant somewhere and they want a mural and it just like keeps spiraling into more and more jobs. I had to just start saying no to tons of opportunities. <laughs> I was like, I need a whole nother trip yeah. to, to do all of this. So um, it was very cool like that. Just kind of always kept unraveling. I met this girl in a cafe in, uh, in the desert part of India and Rajasthan. And she was telling me how amazing her trip to Ethiopia was. And she showed me some pictures. So I bought a one-way ticket to Ethiopia like the next day. So that's kind of how it went. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you have any books or any resources that you would recommend for people who, who want to make like traveling kind of an art? That's what it seems like to me is like, it's like in a painting sometimes you'll, or at least this is the way I work, uh, I'll be like painting something. I'm like, oh, that kind of, you know, this shape or this like compositional element or whatever would go well right here. And then you add it and sort of flow with what's there and see what opportunities you can get. So are there any, is there any website or blog that you would recommend? I just think if anyone's really wanting to travel, but they're nervous about it, even this goes for painting too. like so many metaphors that, that work either way, you just have to start. That's mm -hmm. the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. You have to start, you have to put color on the blank canvas or you've got to get your backpack and you've got to buy the ticket yeah. and get on the plane. And uh, <laughs> starting is the hardest part, but once you get out there, you'll meet so many people who are doing the same thing and it'll blow your mind just how you link up with other people. If you travel alone, you'll end up meeting more people than you would if you have a friend. Cause if you have a friend, you're kind of like insulated with them. You're like, Whoa, like yeah, yeah. look at all this stuff yeah. going on. I have a buddy I can talk about it with, but mm -hmm. if you have no one with you, you end up just kind of gravitating to the other people who are there. Oftentimes local people, ideally, Mm -hmm. So, um, I think if, if anyone was nervous about starting, get one of the lonely planet books, they have them for every country. They have tips nice. on the language. They have hostels that you can stay at. So that way, when you arrive in a new city, let's say it's late at night, you at least have this whole book and you don't have Wi-Fi or whatever. You have this whole book of places like, Oh, I want to go to this hostel, that hostel. And, um, those books make it really easy. And then I'd say once you're, a couple of weeks into your trip, you can just leave that sucker on a little bookcase at one of the hostels for someone else to pick up Nice, because I just don't think you need it. Like once you get the hang of, um, it's like training wheels, how it's flowing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then you're ready to go. <laughs> you're ready to spread your wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So, um, so you're on this trip, you're kind of flowing. You went to Ethiopia. And yeah. that's, yeah, I mean, that seems to be like the pinnacle in my mind, at least, uh, a, a, you know, a white Western person from America, like going to like an African country or, 
Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much, or like maybe Russia, I don't know why, or China, you know, but going, going one of those three places seems to be sort of like the pinnacle of like, like travel flex, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, was it, was it any more difficult to integrate or like talk to people, um, in Ethiopia than it was like Southeast Asia where a lot of tourists seem to go like India too? Yeah. I met very, very few travelers in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. Um, like maybe three or something like that. Yeah. Uh, there were people, I did one tour there where it's like a four day planned thing and you're in these Jeeps. Mm -hmm. And so I met some travelers there. Um, but otherwise I was really on my own, uh, mostly taking small, small buses that often had livestock on them. And I was definitely the only white person, uh, around mm -hmm. and I stood out a lot and I have a lot of tattoos and I had a shaved head. So I was definitely a, a sight to be seen for, for the people there. Mm -hmm. They couldn't figure out if I was a man or a woman, because it's so ingrained in their gender norms that women have long hair in Ethiopia mm. and men have short hair. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, people would be like looking at me for extended periods of time, trying to figure out who I was, what I, what I was, where I was from. I fortunately was able to pick up the language pretty easily there. It's really? uh, called Amharic. It's a very cool language and I didn't find it that difficult. So I learned as much as I needed to get by. And then that makes it a lot easier to get in with the local people and to have like a, um, an authentic experience. But it was, there were some moments that I think back on and I get chills still thinking about going to these tribal markets and where I'm touching their face and they're touching my face. And <laughs> it was like, looking at something for the first time and um, because they're, they do a lot of scarification and facial tattoos. Oh, wow. And they were feeling the tattoo on my back and looking at my septum ring and looking at my gauged ears and um, just the cultural difference where they were very easily able to see past the color of my skin. For sure. And they thought I was from a different tribe down the road. <laughs> really? That's cool. Yeah, because of my gauges. Oh, so right, right. They, yeah, that's all. They know that that tribe is into that and their world is is that valley. So they couldn't really think that I was from elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so that was so cool. I mean, if, I could talk for days about Ethiopia. It's, it's an amazing place. It was very difficult. It was very uh, good for me, humbling. Yeah. I rarely had water or electricity. Um maybe only twice in five weeks I had those at the same time. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, that, it, that's cool. certainly an experience. Um, it, yes. <laughs> was yes. that your I was like sleeping stuff? on a goat skin, like in a <laughs> hut, like with this family yeah. drinking the beer that they made and getting violently ill, uh, Ooh. and just, yeah. Being part of this, this tribe for a little while. It's very, very, an experience I, I would never trade for anything. So when they were like touching your face and your tattoos, was that kind of like a form of communication for them? Or or since there was sort of like a language barrier, um, 
Was that part of it? Yeah, it, it seemed like there was just a lot of mutual awe and uh, they really wanted to touch me and touch my back and and because my back's a little bit like brailed with my mm-hmm. tattoo. Mm-hmm. So feeling the texture and I was feeling the texture of their scarification and it was um, it was just this moment where I was the only person out of thousands of people at the tribal market who was white and who was not from that tribe or those three tribes that were there that day. So wow. it was a lot, a lot of attention on, on me. And that, that was the uncomfortable thing. I try to go, I try to blend in wherever I go. It never works, but yeah, that was one place where there was no chance of blending in. For sure. And it's really exhausting to have that many eyes on you at all times, but um, definitely an unforgettable experience. Yeah. Gives you a, a different angle of uh, a perspective, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. People were very kind. And anyone who did speak English word would travel so fast that there was a Western woman in town. So mm-hmm. people would come find me and and practice English with me. Oh, nice. That's yeah. cool. Were you doing like a language trade kind of thing? Were you trying to learn theirs well, while you were teaching? Was, yeah, it was... It was funny because I'm trying to learn Amharic and they right. want to practice English. And that also happens in India all the time. I was like, no, I really want to practice Hindi. And they were like, no, well, I want to practice English. So <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So, was Ethiopia the last spot you stopped before coming back to the States or you kept going? There was so much more. I just kept going uh, from Ethiopia. I went to Egypt. I crossed over land to. Um, Israel. I went to Turkey and I hitchhiked across Turkey by myself. I went to Tori uh, nice. to do to study art in oh, the yeah. middle of the trip. Really, which was so cool. I'd always wanted to do something with the Academy of Visionary Art. I wanted to properly study art now that I felt like I had a good base and I was ready to like dive into materials and technique more. So that that was really big for me. Um, getting to see people that I could speak English with was big. I, I had <laughs> almost forgotten how to speak at that point. Wow. Um, which it, it's surprising how fast that happens. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess language is, wow. is kind of a technology if you think about it. And I've been speaking very broken English for I think nine months at that point mm-hmm. and um, speaking very simply and mostly trying to learn other languages. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was like, I got there and it's like, Oh my God, I don't know how to speak anymore. I don't know how to talk to people. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people have felt like that during the pandemic. Maybe the podcast, it's been good practice. Yeah, it has. Talking. And even still, I'm not some days I just, I'm just like, where are my words? And, uh, mm-hmm. it, it all depends too on, I mean, who knows a billion things like how well my brain's firing that day, uh, the weather, all this caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I've been sort of taking sips out of this mug as we keep going. (laughs) Um, so so you went to Tori, was that kind of the, was that the first time you met Amanda? That was, I'd met Amanda before that. Mm -hmm. Um, so then it was extra exciting that we were going to be able to hang out in Europe together and yeah. Um, 
it was just so it was so much fun it was some of the most fun i've ever had everybody else that went to tori that year we bonded so hard and we all left feeling like we made lifelong friends and we did it was it was really cool hell yeah yeah uh just for people who don't know it's um this place in italy called tori superiori and it's um what was it like an old monastery on top of a hill or something like that it was kind of, from my understanding, it was a village of separate small households. But then back in the 1700s, there was some um, impending like danger in the area. So they built a fortress around their small community mm-hmm. and kind of turned it into a maze castle fortress. Yeah, yeah. And so now it's an eco village and you eat like the best food you've ever eaten in your life while you get to paint all day with people you look up to really cool yeah yeah i it's like an art vacation um yes and just a super blast um like amanda sage uh has taught there and a bunch of other uh legends like maura holden was there the year i was there uh david and laurie weaver uh david heskin and laurie weaver um yeah just really cool I can't say enough good things about that spot. And it's like at the, it's like the foot of the Alps, um, on the Northwest side of Italy, um, near Monaco and and France and stuff like that. So it's incredible. If anyone out there ever has an opportunity to go, even just as a eco retreat, you can go just to um, hang out there, but it's such a beautiful place. They've got like fig trees growing all over the place. Oh my gosh. It's heaven. Yeah. It's great. It's heaven. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I kind of want to, I'm trying to like merge into talking about art and painting and yeah. stuff a little bit. Um, when you came back, did you just throw yourself into making art? Yeah. So I kind of brushed on it earlier. Like when you come back from, at least I'll speak for myself, when I've come back from these trips, mm-hmm. I've always had a really, really, really tough like few years just trying to figure it all out again Mm -hmm. you come back and then there's all the pressure of what you thought you'd be doing when you come back and I was like well it's time to hit the ground running with art and I'm just gonna do it and so but I came back with like $19 to my (laughs) right so I was starting at (laughs) yeah base you know i crawled back to my parents place in new orleans uh lived in like a closet room for like six months like harry potter and yeah it was (laughs) harry potter style there's no windows um and got an got a little art studio in new orleans and was like okay like time to hit the ground running and i put together a big solo show in new orleans and The opening happened on March 10th, 2020. Oh, God. And the <laughs> next day, everything shut down. The gallery turned into a squat like shortly thereafter. And did you get your I paintings? I had to go out? rescue all my oh, art. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah, so that, <laughs> boom. And then yeah. I was displaced. I decided to leave New Orleans, come back to Colorado. Um, then I spent the summer growing my own food and painting. So yeah, there's just been, there's so many of these like jump starts where you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm doing it and I'm doing it. And then all these 
roadblocks kind of come in. And what keeps becoming obvious to me is that no matter what, art is going to keep requiring more of me. It's like, no, I want more of your time. I want more of your dedication. And then you'll get to where you want to be after more time, more practice, more dedication than you can possibly imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it takes. Yeah. And I don't think, I think that like being a creative person or an artist, it almost means that like you'll never actually arrive. Right. No. And that's always arriving. (laughs) Right. It's like a, you know, eternal return kind of thing. Uh, to quote mm-hmm. Meow Wolf uh, a little bit. It's like you the, you, you kind of keep this carrot dangling in front of you like, oh, it's like the next best painting or the or I'll be in a place financially where I need to be and then everything will be okay. But I think that that's like a big illusion that even even right. in just like normal life, we, we all think that, you know, we all have this idea in our minds of, of where we want to be, but it never actually quite works out a hundred percent of the way that you you even try to like say manifest it or whatever like oh yeah you always have to kind of just remember to be like grateful for the moment and for what you do have but then there's like something i struggle with is like balancing that with like you know you're always going to desire more right you're always going to want something better or for your art to be better, but you have to just also appreciate this next brush stroke or this next step, like to use the travel metaphor, like one foot in front of the other. Yeah, no, but on that track, it's like, I, I keep feeling like I'm arriving and I am continuously arriving. And I, I know that I'm getting better at painting and honing in on, the level that I, I want to achieve and that feels amazing. And then mm-hmm. people, uh, primarily people that I met while being a gypsy, um, <laughs> support me, they want to support me. And so then uh, that makes me feel amazing when That's people awesome. are willing to pay what you want for your work. It's the best feeling in the world. So the last two, it's been just over two years since I came home with $19 and mm-hmm. it's been so crazy but it's been really magic too there's been a lot of loss a lot of gains and um it's all kind of led me here and and now i live with amanda sage it's been about nine months now Mm -hmm. and we are you know co-creating this experiment of of living in community and trying to um move forward in our careers while growing a lot of food while being part of this community. Um, there's about nine different projects that happen here aside from all of our art. So we are very busy and experimenting and, um, participating. It's, it's very, it's full on and it's been spreading me a little thin as well. Just all of the different things to do. It's like, Oh, I'm going to, do there I'm going to like try to get all these chores out of the way and then I can paint. But mm-hmm. when you're busy like that, sometimes it makes you more productive because you only have a few hours to paint. Totally. Uh, yeah. I feel like the I, way I did want that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I talk about that phenomenon a lot on this show. Like, um, 
like I've learned sort of to like during the day I'll I'll get all like chores um things that I need to get done out of the way admin stuff for the business like emailing people or 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 whatever and I'm I'm not always like on point without either um but if I can do all that stuff and then get it out of the way and you know still have four or five six hours to paint at the end of the night I feel like it's a much better painting session because I I mean, there's, there's something about like holding yourself back like all day, getting your shit done and getting it done right. And then you have like this, it's almost like a, it feels timeless, right? This little block of time at the end of the day you have to paint Mm -hmm. after you've, you've taken care of business, I guess. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's been lighting a fire in me and, um, and yeah, I keep coming to these points where I'm feeling really good about art. And then I, I sometimes retract and feel like, oh, my God, you know, deflated or just the, the things we tell ourselves are 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 unsuccess- uh, unsuccessful stories around money or yeah. our um, conditionings come back. And I almost went back into my career this year. Really? almost my other career i should say right yeah yeah um yeah because it was very tempting it was like you know things have gotten tough in the pandemic and that seemed like a way that i could get back in and and make money and save for the next big dream but then i had to be like no actually i really feel like i'm finally at a place where my time is best spent making art mm mm-hmm. And, and, and being in the garden, doing things that also, uh, feed my soul. Yeah. So I don't want to go back there, but having tiptoed around it again, gave me more fuel to be like, no, I have, like, I have to make this work somehow. Yeah. And so that's where I'm at now. Just getting in the mindset of like, no, this, this has to work. I have to make this work and I have to change some of my ideas around around money being bad because that's not true. Yeah. And, uh, so far it is working. I feel, I'm feeling really optimistic. The work I'm working on right now is going towards a gallery in Santa Fe. Nice. Um, come winter, I'm moving South somewhere. I don't quite know yet, but the, the goal is to, to create a life that is a little more simple and much more focused around my work. And, um, yeah, just ready to really dive deeper. Is that so? Is that kind of your your goals for the future, or what you want out of like the next few years? Yeah, um, right now I'd I really want to to expand. Um, I've gotten this far with the support of my friends and family, mm-hmm. and I really want to get my art in front of more faces and more people who may be able who may be interested in collecting and. I think going through the galleries is a good way of doing that. Definitely. Um, trying to branch out into more contemporary galleries. Um, try, I apply for everything at every possible opportunity mm-hmm. and you have to get used to, to being denied like over and over oh, yeah. and over again. Yeah. Keep doing it. And um, be it, yeah, like last weekend I walked into a, a gallery and felt confident and I felt like, it was the right place and right time. And I left being introduced as the new artist. So, Oh, nice. 
sometimes it works like that too. Congrats. So, Thanks. um, yeah, do you, do you email a lot of galleries then too with, uh, with your work? I do all the open calls essentially. So like you, anytime there's an open call. Are you part of, or do you get emails from cafe call for entry? Uh, no. Oh, okay. So if you if but you want a good resource, should. yeah, it's um I think it's cafe.net or .org. They send me an email like every few days, so I'm trying to find it, but anyway, I'll put the uh link in the description once I actually find it in my email for everybody. Cool. Uh and I'll send it to you too. But it's um it's call for entry. That's the kind of like abbreviated form is cafe. And mm-hmm. if you look it up, they have a lot of them, you know, it's just so many different things. They'll have like murals or, or just like different art projects that you can apply to. And, um, a lot of them have like an entry fee, but, uh, it seems to be a great resource. Oh yeah. And that's, you know, that's a standard thing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entrance, entrance fee for anything, but yeah. it's worth it. It gets your art in front of people and, uh, Hannah Yato is one of my favorite artists and just knowing that she is um, often on the one of the uh, moderators or one of the judges for Beautiful Bazaar. So I always apply to all of their things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just eventually like something will happen. Yeah. And so you just have to keep keep going for it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it can be. uh could be overwhelming for i mean it was for me until i had like the sort of like no this is like a business mindset that i need to get myself into so that i can keep pushing this so i can keep making art you know it's like this kind of like loop that you just sort of have to have to be involved with if you if you want to do it uh professionally definitely yeah it's and that's the struggle part of the struggle too it's just I am business minded, but not with my own stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not with my own creations. I, I was fine selling someone else's hash. <laughs> I would even trade with people when I was when I was doing a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. I would travel with a jewelry case, and I would sometimes switch so that I'd be selling someone else's prints, and they would be selling my jewelry because oh, cool. it was just easier to sell someone else's things. That's interesting. But yeah, now I have to. I, it's just a constant practice and rewiring of my brain to be like, no, I think if people knew about this, I think that they would want it. So I just need to make sure people know what's available and know what they can, how they can support me. And that if I do that, people will want to support me. So, yeah. How do you feel about the, the social media game? Are you good at that? I I'm yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's about the face that I make too. Oh, I, yeah, I have so many little jobs right now. Um, <laughs> and I, I run, I'm on the back end of six different social media accounts. Whoa. And, nice. um, I, I, I don't enjoy it at all. Um, I, I look forward to, to, to eventually setting aside the other ones and just putting some time towards, towards my own, mm-hmm. um, because that is, most rewarding obviously if you do get sales but mine's falls to the end now because it's the last thing i want to do yeah yeah um for sure i just think that it's not healthy for for everyone and 
there's been times where social media makes me feel like a horrible artist or a horrible person. I just, <laughs> there's so much like comparing and then um, that's, that it doesn't have to be used that way, of course. But if you, I think if, if you find yourself going into that hole where it's not making you feel better and it's making you feel worse about your art, or in my case, I was comparing myself to people who are really masters at right. their craft, yeah, yeah. people who are 30 years older than me, who've put in way more time. And so it's not a fair comparison whatsoever. And you shouldn't compare anyway. But I think it's important to be able to step away from it when you need to, just for your sanity and if you're not using it in a healthy way. Definitely. Um, yeah, it's just like I, it, it's important to me to be authentic with it. I, but I definitely struggle with it. I, I appreciate all of the, um, the things that can happen from it. Like a lot of the murals that I got, a lot of the people I communicate with through there, yeah. a lot of my fan base in India, we only communicate through Instagram. Right. Um, I love all of that, but it's sometimes just, I envy thinking about artists before who didn't have to deal with any of this yeah 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 but <laughs> it's interesting like you know i guess we used to have to, like take out ads in the paper right if yeah it, or, or something like that but um go shake hands with a bunch of people and yeah which and we schmooze. do still anyway yeah you still schmooze. i think i think that that's actually a lot more effective and can lead to more like leads quote unquote when you're like in person because in the context of like looking at Instagram, someone's going to see uh, potentially thousands of images every day. And it's really hard to make your thing stick out in their mind. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, but if you're in person, you can kind of talk to the person for a little while and, uh, and, you know, be in the same space. I think for me, at least that helps. I know there are some, I think it's, some social media masters out there who totally no i think in, i i shine in person i was always had bad grades so i needed in-person interviews to to um get anywhere yeah yeah so i still feel that way uh, about instagram sometimes like oh in person then then you can really uh dive into opportunities and stuff that way but um but it's a it is a really cool tool and i don't want to take it for granted it's it is really neat and um the way that it you can connect with so many different people around the world and because i travel and i have friends and family all around the world it's um it's a great tool for for keeping in touch with people that you know otherwise we'd have to be pen pals i'd have to be writing a whole lot of a whole lot of letters, letters. yeah <laughs> yeah um so six accounts that's that's pretty crazy to me like i can barely keep up with two i definitely let the wow. podcast instagram fall by the wayside and i'll be like oh yeah let me check this out after like three or four days and i'll have like several messages and a bunch of people commenting and i'm like oh shit um but do you have any do you have any just like just like you know we don't have to make this like a five tips to grow your Instagram. But like, do you have any like advice for people who are, who are trying to integrate with, uh, opportunities that way, um, about, you know, the, yes. it's kind of funny because I, I know what those things are, mm -hmm. but I don't like doing them. Like I, 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 there's one account that I run 
for um, like it's one of my jobs. So I have to engage in that account Mm -hmm. and comment and, but it's, it's a mindless thing and I'm not necessarily always really vibing with that. I'm just trying to fill space and like get it done. It doesn't always feel very authentic. Um, When I'm commenting as myself, it is, but I don't like to spend that much time on it with six accounts than you do. Um, I try to limit it as much as possible. Uh, yeah, it, the thing is with those these accounts is that it wants your time. Yeah. So you have to decide how much time you're willing to give it and set a limit on it. And when it's tough, when it, the limit has come, just walk away. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect advice. That's my advice. Yeah. I, I mean, because I, I know that like it's it just wants your time and that's it wants perfect. your attention uh-huh. and your time and attention is really valuable. So I just think um, if we can be more mindful about how we want to spend it, then we can make time for the other things that really matter. I'm also a baker and a chocolatier here. So I have all kinds of other things to to be doing and art to make more importantly. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. Are you, are you uh, fucking with sourdough at all? Is that a, Oh Yeah. Oh, nice. yeah. Yeah. My partner, Sarah, started that over the pandemic. We got a puppy and, uh, you know, sourdough bread and pizza are now flowing from our kitchen. Oh, yeah. Those two come hand in hand. Sourdough baby and fur baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was like the it's like the COVID trifecta right there. <laughs> yes. I fell into that as well. But it was kind of it felt like a rekindling more than anything because my great grandfather was a famous Cajun baker. Oh, hell yeah. In the bayou. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, I feel like I'm filling some role, you know, by getting into baking. Yeah. Did, did you have any, uh, you talked about your grandfather. Was he kind of a mentor? Did you have any mentors growing up? They don't necessarily have to be art mentors, but just someone who is like, this is how life works kind of thing. Yeah, I've had, I've been so lucky. I have so many people like that in my life. Um, A lot of them I met a little later on. When I was growing up, I was very influenced by my my parents' friends Mm because that's who I was mostly around. Uh, A lot of them were still close and, and look out for each other. But then as I got older, I was traveling. I have uh, I met an adoptive father along my journeys, somebody I ended up going back to visit three times. His name was Raj. He, he's passed away since. Uh, but he, like, I consider him one of my dads. He, he yes. absolutely, um, anytime that I choose living a free life and the art life, I know that he's just like, yeah, like, yeah. get it. Oh, yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, so many people. My first tattoo artist, Donnie, he's a, a, a Gunnison guy. Uh, we do sweat lodges together, and he's always been influential uh, mentor in my life. My painting mentors, Amanda and Jack Sure, mm-hmm. they've taught me everything I know about art since, since I didn't learn it uh, jack shit in school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's all been, it's all it's all paved the way to, to live this magical life that is unfolding. Nice. That's super sweet. 
It's nice to hear. Um, and a lot of these people are people I've met traveling too. So, you know, another reason to get out there if you want to, is like you will meet people that absolutely will change your life. Yeah. Um, Raj passed away. I did a, a really beautiful mural for him in his room and he wrote me into his will. Oh, wow. I was like, I'm able to pursue art right now more uh, fully thanks to him. And so, yeah, you just like, you never know what's going to happen and how it's going to change your life, but it's, yeah. it's always worth it. Yeah. I feel, uh, I feel like traveling did something similar for me, but it was more in terms of finally moving away from my hometown and out here to Colorado is I feel like I found um, not just mentors, but friends out here who, I mean, this, I feel like all my friends were like half of them were here waiting for me because I moved out here in 2012. And then the other half came after that. And it's, you know, we're travel involves risk. And, but if you're following something that you love, you're following like some kind of plan or dream, you'll land in a place and it will give you people opportunities and that's really all you need, you know? And yeah, I think, um, I think a lot of things can be like a mentor, right? Like art itself could be thought of as a mentor, really, if you get down to it. Art whoops my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same, same. Um, so yeah, um, I have a couple more questions and then we, we can wrap it up. Um, this is, this is one that I've kind of, um, I think all artists or creators struggle with this a little bit. How do you, how do you deal or maybe you don't, but how, cause I, I have a hard time with this, but how do you deal with like your inner critic or, or the, the voice inside your head kind of telling you that it's not good enough what you're making? Yeah. Well, there's two things that come to mind. One, sometimes I, I resent that voice, but mostly I'm grateful for it mm -hmm. because it's really pushed me to be a better artist. And when I thought my work was like good enough, now looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, what was I thinking? Like it's, it, it, it was fine for then, but like, I'm so much better now. And, um, in, in a lot of ways that voice has really pushed me forward sure. in my technique and, and rendering skills. But when that voice gets to a point where it's crippling, it's um, really not a good thing for, for your process. So I think that the best thing to do is, um, is step away from, from the canvas. And I, feel like I've learned so much about painting in the in-between times that I'm not painting. Yeah. And I can come back so much fresher mm -hmm. and more inspired and driven than I was when I, I was in that space. And for me, it's hard to find something in the winter time because in the summer I'm like, I'm in the garden and I'm growing food. And that's like a very physical, uh, spiritual, mental practice that gets me out of my head because it's a physical activity it's manual labor mm -hmm. but it's also feeding my spirit uh with good good organic food so it's such a win-win for me i 
was growing all my own food last summer and it was so much work and I was doing it all from scratch. This like garden that I was building with my brother had never existed before. Wow. And it was so hard on our bodies that I actually couldn't even hold a paintbrush for maybe like nine weeks. Wow. It was a long, it was a long break. I, I just didn't even get into the studio. I was just homesteading. And when I came back, I was a better painter. I just was like everything I've been making since is better. So I think stepping away is really valuable. Um, that way you appreciate painting when you come back to it, just getting your eyes on something that's a little farther away. Yeah. Um, going and watching people who are really passionate about what they do. I like doing that. Like, uh, I used to go see break dancing competitions Nice. because I just love watching people who love what they do. Yeah. And that's inspiring. So I think that those are kind of the ways just trying to step away and come back fresh. Yeah. I think it gives you time to like incubate things that you've learned too. Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay. I've been asking this question to people lately. Um, what do you think your superpower is? <laughs> well, we kind of talked about it before. My superpower might be saying no. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. That's such because a strong I am one. Pretty stubborn. <laughs> and I so am good. like, I like to call them boundaries, but I'm a really boundary oriented person. Sure. I am an introvert, but I can, I'm fine with being in, in extroverted situations, sure. but it's like a switch that I have to switch on. And then I'm like, okay, the rest of the time I, I really prefer my own space. And, um, so because of that, I'm very practiced in, in saying no. Um, because if I extend too much, I know how that comes back. I just, I'm drained for a long time. So I think saying no and having boundaries and, you know, when I was in my career on the weekends, I would still work uh, all weekend, but at night, sometimes my roommates would be like, come on, like, let's go out. And I'd just be like, nope, like, I'm finally <laughs> going to paint, you know, like this, yeah, is, yeah. this is when I get to do the work I want to do. Yeah. And so I said no to so much. And, um, there's been times in my life that were where I was going to every show and I was on every dance floor Yeah. and that was awesome. And now I'm just like, I feel like my time is, is best spent in the, in the studio. So I try to prioritize that above all else. That's so awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I had to work so hard at that, at saying no, I always wanted everyone to like me all of the time. You know, I'm like for a while I was one of those people. And, um, even when it came to like, uh, festivals that I knew that I would like, be sort of like spending money to just go hang out at this festival and paint. And, you know, it's like 500 people would be there and the chances of like making your money back are kind of slim. It's to be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like sort of taking every thing as an opportunity and just being a little too over eager. And so, yeah, definitely from my perspective, that's a superpower. Yeah. Well, that is an aspect though too. Like, I think we all have to go through that phase where you say yes for the sake of exposure 
And then ideally there's a time when you don't feel the pressure that you have to do that as much anymore. Yeah. Actually, if I just make one really dope painting or even start one really dope painting this weekend, it'll be much more worth my time than going to that festival. Or I really need to let loose and maybe going to this festival is exactly what I need. Yeah. It's all very manual and very, uh, you know, moment to moment and you have to know yourself and be super self-aware of how you're feeling and what you need. Right. Um, but yeah, I just, I am in awe (laughs) at people who are just like naturally good at setting boundaries. Um, I would have been the guy who would have worked 80 hours a week and my friends would be like, let's go party. And I'd be like, all right. And (laughs) cut, you know, smash cut to the blank canvas, just sitting there while I go out trying to have a good time and, not really recharging and but yeah yeah um i think maybe my superpower is um uh lack of risk awareness (laughs) (laughs) that's a great superpower yeah yeah (laughs) i keep thinking of of like different ones that i might have um since i've you know been bombarding people with this question over and over and over again so like i should probably think of mine i think patience too is a is a good one um Mm -hmm. i think it's it's another one of those things you kind of have to cultivate yeah especially with oil painting i've found like Mm -hmm. i'm always having to learn more and more and more patience all the time but yeah a lot of people assume that because of the travels i've done and the kind of high risk lifestyle i've had that that i must be a super courageous person or that maybe i'm Uh, also not assessing risk factors. Mm. Um, But I am, and I'm assessing the risk factor of not doing that thing. Yeah. So I'm motivated by fear still. And I I like to share that because I think people assume that somehow I'm not affected by fear and that's not true. I, um, I very much am. I cried the entire flight from New York to Kathmandu because I had no fucking clue what I was doing (laughs) with my life. And I had no idea when I was going to be home. I thought maybe a year and it ended up being two and a half years. So I just think, you know, fear was definitely part of it. But the fear of not doing it was bigger than the fear of of doing it. And that's also where I'm at with art. It's like the what what can I do with my life to make this one precious life worthwhile in this body anyway? And and it's definitely for me art. And, um, so yeah, the, it's the fear of, uh, well, what if I don't do that? Exactly. Like, gotta try it. Yeah. I don't think people think about that ever when they're assessing risk. They're like, mm-hmm. it's only, I guess you could, you could also think of like, what's the worst that could happen if I do go through with this thing? Like, what's the absolute mm-hmm. worst? Like you could end up stranded in India for a few days or weeks maybe but then like you could come back home and regroup at your parents house and figure mm-hmm. it out you, you know the really funny thing is that that whole time i was really scared about uh, about my trip and everything mm-hmm. and then i landed in Kathmandu, and uh i spent like the cash that i had on the visa and then realized that the rest of the cash i had was kind of like slightly ripped so they wouldn't exchange it for me mm. and all of my atm card like it wouldn't work and I couldn't get money out and it was a holiday, so I couldn't call my bank. 
and I did end up stranded. I was wow. stranded for four days in Kathmandu without any money. This is the first day of my trip. Oh my I wrote gosh. a blog about it. I have a travel blog on my website. So if anyone wants to read the story, you can. And I got adopted by this family in the in the slum and became like part of their family. And they fed me for like four days. It was crazy. <laughs> I was so sick because I wasn't like used to the food yet mm-hmm. and just went straight into the slum drinking uh, you know, chives and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was insane. (laughs) I was like, I thought, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. The worst thing could happen, but I was like, but that's one of the worst things that could happen. And it happened the first day. It was so funny. You got it out of the way and you're stronger and more, you're just more, I feel like, yeah, travel is one of those things that just make you more well-rounded. Like you have this different perspective than people who've never, you know, been out of their the county they were born in or, or whatever you know it's uh yeah well you meet all these people and even this family living in the slum of Kathmandu like we had so much in common and I think that that's what you learn a lot of people are like oh did you like, everyone's so different aren't they and I'm like that's not what I get from traveling yeah, yeah. I think that we're all so similar and we love to laugh and right. hear music and eat good food and tell jokes and we had so much to talk about when I was with this family. And then when my cards started working again, um, I like hooked them up with a bunch of food, tried to make up for all that they took care of me. And then I raised a bunch of money through Facebook uh, for them so that to get them some supplies so that they could do more sustainable work, like getting them a kit to repair shoes so that they could keep working from that kit for a while, stuff like that. And none of that would have happened if I wasn't stranded. And like, right. And if I hadn't been traveling alone, I would have just been like, hey, homie, like, lend me some money until my card works. But I was all by myself, so I couldn't do that. Yeah, I bet you learned uh, like a lot about your own depth as a person during that, right? Yeah, and I, I read so many books. I had a Kindle, and I ate so many. I ate, like, I calculated at some point because I've been alone completely uh, completely alone for a year and a half of that trip i was like i must have eaten 1500 meals by myself so yeah, yeah. i like to look busy a little bit when you're feeling shy or weird and yeah. in countries where nobody eats by themselves ever so i was just like i'm i'm busy you know i'm reading books <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so you've given like a lot of advice sort of through your stories and stuff but if you had one one piece of advice to give uh, a, maybe a younger artist or painter, what would that be? Don't stop <laughs> and start, you know, and start, yeah, yeah. start and don't stop. And uh, even when it's deflating and even when it feels like an uphill battle, I just think that if you have, if you are open to receiving what creativity has to offer, then, then you, you must, you must show it and, and share it ideally with, with the world, because these images, these visions or however you receive your art, it's coming for a reason. It wants to exist and it wants you to be the one to make it. And, um, so say yes to that spirit and, um, just keep working. I think that, you know, a lot of the artists that I do look up to are people who are 
40 years into their career. And, you know, if I'm going from the day that I called myself an artist, it's been four years and a few months. Yeah. yeah. That's nothing. You right. know, I, I still have so much longer to go, even though I've been painting for, for 13 years, mm -hmm. there was so much of that where I wasn't painting at all. And totally. Yeah, definitely. Just keep going. Beautiful. Well, sweet. <laughs> I think we'll, uh, we'll end it there. Um, Olivia, thanks for coming, coming on the podcast and, um, uh, tell people where they can find you, um, like your blog and everything. Yeah. So my website is oliviajaneart.com and I have a store on there with prints and stickers and all that good stuff. I'm going to be releasing new prints this summer. And there's also a blog on same website. There's like uh, travel blogs and I keep adding to it slowly. I wrote a really, really big essay last summer called a hundred ways to be a revolutionary. And um, that took like a lot of my brain power and, and what I really felt like conveying. So I haven't actually written since, but um, yeah, lots of good stuff on there. And I'm on Instagram, Olivia Jane art. And um, the, through the link tree there, you can get up to all of my different nice and i will definitely link all that in the description so um yeah again thank you so much and it was a pleasure thanks so much andrew this was fun yeah sweet and thanks everybody for listening i'll see you next time thank you again for listening to another episode of rtaf podcast if you are interested in supporting the Patreon, that address is patreon.com slash podcast. And I want to thank all my patrons. You guys keep this engine running. I couldn't do it without you. Go over there and check out the tiers I have available. It includes video, uh, guest suggestions, uh, patron-only posts, and some merchandise. Thank you again for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Do all those little things that help get RTAF into the consciousness of more and more people. Shout out.